Hello, this is Brad Whitford of Aerosmith and the Whitford St. Holmes Band, and this is Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Jinx from Blackville Brides, and this is Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, this is Danny the Count Coker of Count 77, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. episode 384 of the iron city rocks podcast i'm your host john coming to you from the iron city of pittsburgh pennsylvania bringing the best rock hard rock heavy metal and blues talk on the net episode 384 we have uh, three very special guests for you we have joining us dan baird dan uh many of you remember is the uh, primary songwriter and uh front man of the band the george satellites has been a successful solo artist for many, many years with his band Homemade Sin. Uh, he was in town to do a show on July 5th at the Club Cafe, and we had a chance to speak to him. So we'll get into that interview in just a bit. Also joining us, Texas blues man Lance Lopez, who will be in Pittsburgh to do a show at Moondogs on the 29th of July. And finally, Tim Rossi of the band Blackfoot, who will be in to do a show in Monongahela on the 28th. So we're going to catch up with those guys in just a little bit. So we're going to start you out. We're going to play a little classic Dan Baird and get into that interview with Dan Baird. I got a little change in my pocket going jingle-lang-a-lang. Won't call you on the telephone, baby. I give you a ring. But each time we talk, I get the same old thing. Always no hooky buggies until I get a wedding ring. My honey, my baby, don't put my love upon no shelf. She said don't hit me no lie. And keep your hands to yourself My pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks We have on the line Dan Baird How you doing Dan? I'm doing just fine Thank you very much oh, It's my pleasure to talk to you um, I have to say uh, you know, I remember in, in I think it was 1986 Something like that I mean yeah, you know, you guys just exploded on the radio uh, um, with you know one of my favorite songs of that era, and then I remember a, a really awesome cover, the Hippie Shake, that you guys did for a, a little movie with Tom Cruise, and um, yeah, it's been uh, you've had a heck of a ride, um, you know, and a lot of people I think kind of incorrectly label the band as sort of a one-hit wonder, where um, you had I Love You Period, which was a pretty pretty monstrous hit. You know, how many yeah, years well, left? you know, it's like that. I had gone solo at that point, mm-hmm. so um, you know, it, it, you know, it was, you know, it's fine if that's all people remember. Hell, mm-hmm. I got a handshake to the world. Sure, you know, um, you know, they make up their minds if they want to go deeper or not. Sure, most folks don't because you know, geez, look at look at broadcast television. Yeah, <laughs> most to... people don't want to dig very deep. No, <laughs> they just don't. But if if I if I could just indulge you back when the when the satellites Georgia satellites for those not familiar, uh, kind of first came on the scene. I mean, you were kind of flying in the face of what was on the radio at this time. You had a lot of electronic pop music. You had sort of glam hard rock was all over the radio. Yeah. And here comes a bunch of you know kind of motley looking guys. Um, with a, a whole lot of Telecaster and a whole lot of twang, and you know, bang, there you are on rock radio. How did, how, how did, who saw that in the band other than obviously you guys that said, you know, this is this is a hit. Um, you know, these Shit, guys. We didn't see yeah. it. We didn't see it. Um, there was a fellow named Mike Bone who was head of promotions at Electra Records that knew damn good and well it could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, talked Kevin Patrick and Howard Thompson into you know they were they were they wanted to but they were i think a little you know worried about our reception and mike was going nah this is going to happen mm-hmm. he was head of radio promotions for Electra at the time and uh and he turned out to be right he could sell it so sell it he did <laughs> yeah I mean, and it- we were we were also we were cutting against the current which 
you know, it'll get you noticed, you know. It may get you noticed badly or it may get you noticed favorably. You just don't know. And, uh, you know, it's... Trying to unravel that is a, it's a Gordian knot. It's just not going to go anywhere. You're going to have to just, you know, blow it up. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You can't really, you know, say, why did it work? I don't know. Hmm. It just worked. And, you know, if you go any deeper than that, you're just doing it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, I mean, I think you guys had such a, you know, I don't want to say unique sound because, I mean, there were some other bands. No, you know, that, that had that no, kind we of. We weren't unique at all. We were not unique at all. We just sounded like it, familiar and new at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you know that's um I just you know it, it's that's all I can say. Yeah, and that's probably you a know? really good way to to think about it because you know it was it was a sound. I mean, I think nothing we all kind there. of right exactly. It wasn't new, but there was you nothing know. new there. But on the radio, it didn't sound like anything else that was being played at that time right so you know and so we had a uniqueness a familiarity uh and it sounded fresh only because people hadn't done it in years Mm -hmm. you know been a while since hot legs you know yeah yeah i mean (laughs) you're absolutely right i mean it was there wasn't you know, like I said, I, I that was kind of the era where I really, really got into music. And you guys were, you know, there was the fabulous Thunderbirds, but they were doing a little bit more. Yeah. I'm say a little bit more blues. And there was Jason. You know, at the time. Yeah, yeah. And there was Jason and the Scorchers on the other side. Right. I mean, we were right in between those two bands. Yeah, and then you think some bands that maybe came along a little bit later, like the Kentucky Headhunters, uh, etc. Yeah. But you guys Crows. were. Yeah, the Crows. Yeah, you know, yeah. they had that kind of maybe a little more Rolling Stone sound to them. At least initially, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. You know, but it's like you know, it's it's all from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's you know, people that you know uh, borrow heavily from the past lovingly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know, that's all we were doing. That's all I continue to do. <laughs> now, you, uh, many people probably were, you know, you were the primary songwriter for, you know, all the, all that stuff. Um, what what kind of drove yeah. you, if if I may ask, you know, to go the solo route, you know, when the 90s came along? Well, uh, the band had had its run. Mm-hmm. We were starting to just, it, there was a falling apart, and I just went, I just don't want to watch this in slow motion. Let's mm-hmm. knock it on the head. Um, and, you know, it was, plus it was like I was wanting to start to branch out to more than what I felt the satellites should have been. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, you can do it under your own name. You can go anywhere you want to. So, you know, Julie and Lucky came along. There was a whole lot of stuff like that. Dixie Bodorant, which the satellites could have done, but, you know, I, I, it, it felt a lot fresher with just, you know, me at the helm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a, we did another record called Buffalo Nickel that basically nobody knows about. It's a pretty good record, but mm-hmm. you know the style had changed, and there was a bunch of rock bands out there at that point. And you know it was just you know kind of went kind of underground, played around with the Yahoos for a few years, um, and then started coming back and doing my own tours over in Europe. Which when Warner finally came on board. Uh, it was a rock band, and we decided to make a record. So right. there you go. <laughs> yeah, now you now we're up to date. <laughs> yeah, I mean you had you've had a pretty prolific period, you know, in the last ten years or so with with quite a few releases. Um, can you talk yeah. about the current band right now? You know who who comprises Homemade Sin? Okay, all right. I got Mar. Okay, on drums I got Mauro Magellan. Now he was with me from the Satellite Stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's, you know, like me and him. I just work. We just work great together. That's that's just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, on guitar, I got Warner Hodges, who played and probably still plays with Jason and the Scorchers. Okay. So you know that's a that's an interesting thing there. He wanted to widen his palette and um, get more adventurous as a guitar player. 
you know, sure. and plus having a, a second rock and roll rhythm guitar player, you know, with him was going to be more interesting for him. Uh, Jason just doesn't play that much guitar, guitar, guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a better front man than I'll ever be, but I'm a better guitar player than he is. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I played I played acoustic guitar on Halcyon Time, Scorcher's last release, uh, so that Jason would be freed freed up for live vocals, uh, which worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think he'd be mad at me saying that. Um, that brings us to Sean Savakul on bass, who's been with the band uh, since September. Okay. <laughs> Uh, our previous bassist, Mike Bjork, was from Sweden, and uh, he had to go home and perform daddy duties. Yeah. Uh, much as he didn't want to leave, but he had to. Yeah, that's, that's uh, certainly understandable. Yeah, and Keith Christopher, our previous bass player, or uh, the original guy in the band, um, he had to go get himself straightened up. And he's he kind of landed on his feet. Uh, he's the bassist with Leonard Skinner right now. So yeah, no, <laughs> I always told him if I always told him if he squared up, I'd never be able to afford him, and that's the truth. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was bared out. So anyway, um, so that's the current lineup. Sean's young. He's like thirty-three years old. He's been in a band, but I've never heard of him. But then again, <laughs> I've never heard of anybody. Not anymore. I'm an old guy now. Yeah. Now, um, I noticed you guys are doing um, you're doing a run of dates in the United States, and obviously you're in in Pittsburgh today, actually, as I'm talking to you. But um, yeah. I see you you do quite a bit of dates in Europe, and you know, um, yeah. can you talk a little bit about? Yeah. I mean, you're playing what I would consider an extremely American type of music, but you know, why the following in yeah. Europe? Is there something in particular that kind of resonates with those? Fans, do you think? Yes, those pe- those people know the real thing when they hear it, mm-hmm. and they appreciate it. Now, if you go over there demanding from a small club lots and lots of money right mm-hmm. off the bat, you're going to fail. Sure. You have to kind of work it and show them show them that you're not going to be one of those American artists who comes over and and phones it in right. and and doesn't give a damn and. You know, just there to make a make a paycheck. You know, how else am I supposed to earn a living? Kind of guy. And those people exist out there, and it's and it's really a shame. If you give them heart, they'll they'll give it back. You know, and they'll and they'll pay you. Sure. You know, I don't know how else to put it, but you but you got to fulfill your side of the bargain first. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know? th- do you think that I mean? From, I mean, you see the crowds. Do you do you think you draw better in in Europe at this point in your career? Yes. Oh yes. Yeah, it's surprising how many bands that you talk to that's you know that's the situation you know the most American band well, in the world. You, gotta, you know. You got to remember in the '60s, all the '50s bebop and, mm-hmm. and 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 traditional jazz guys went over to Europe for their audience. Right. They they and Europeans go. Look, we can't do this. We know that. We'll right. pay to see it done. You know, right. it's you know, you want you know, when you see a Mexican restaurant over in Sweden, you want to go in the back, you want to go in the kitchen and you want to see somebody, you know, of, of Hispanic descent cooking. Sure. <laughs> or else you just leave. Right. You just leave. It's not going to be any good. It's going to taste like, you know, grandma's idea of Mexican Sure. Um, can you talk a little bit? I mean, I, I when I think of you, I think of the Telecaster. Um, was that kind of your first guitar, or I mean, you know, it no, just seems actually, to be kind I of your saw, signature. It, yeah, I changed over. I think in probably '79, I saw NRBQ. Okay. And Big Al Anderson was using a Tele, a Brown Super, and an Echoplex, and that was it. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. It was like, that's that's for me. Yeah. And I started thinking, you know, going like, okay, you got Keith Richards, uh, you got Bruce. It's, yeah. They all seem to be doing okay with just the telly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
curious. Um, it's you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a great all round guitar. Um, you know, it's a little thin for a for a strict three piece. That's why you don't see a lot of three piece guitar players with tell Yeah, it doesn't have necessarily that fullness of tone. But when you match it up with anything from the Gibson family, yeah, it it creates, as I said in uh, Monty Python, a nice two level effect. Yeah, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. They they do and, play together nicely. You yeah, know, they for, do, well, they and they don't step on each other. Right. And so you can have two guys doing complex things, and it turns orchestral mm -hmm. really quickly. If you're not playing the same inversions of chords, and I'm talking to guitar players now, sure. especially you guys that aren't singing, if if you guys think of a more interesting way to play that G chord, you know, mm -hmm. where the let the let the let the singer make the folk G, you know, you do something else, you know, go mm -hmm. listen to Mike Campbell. Yeah. He's got a lot of good ideas. <laughs> Start there, then you go to Steve Cropper, and then whatever you want. Sure. There you go. Now, do you take? Do you take? Are you a vintage kind of gear guy when you're on the road, or do you um, tend to I leave the, the? I have. I have. I have some old stuff, but the stuff I take on the road uh, is is newer, more dependable stuff. Yeah. I got a guitar that a guy named Dan Strain, uh, he makes a guitar called Danicasters. That's, okay. Yeah. Uh, out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, they're about between two grand and 2500 depending on how fancy you want them. Mm -hmm. And they are tanks. Uh, try and get Gibson, uh, Fender to do you a custom job, and they will turn you, give you a not as good product for twice as much. Yeah. Um, get the off-the-shelf standard for that price. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, it's like this one, you know, it's like got a hand-rubbed lacquer neck, which doesn't get tacky when you get hot and sweaty. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that, you know, it's like it may not be worth it for one gig, but for a thousand gigs it's worth it. Uh, you know, it's... It, it's a real good guitar. I got Steve Marriott's old guitar at home, the one everybody calls the old man. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like it's it got to the point where it was getting saturated with sweat, and the electronics were shorting out. I yeah. played the finish off the thing. If I refinish it, Steve will come back and and kick my ass from here to Biloxi, Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can't do it. And you're rolling yeah, the so dice on what like it's going to sound like if you refinish it. Absolutely, absolutely. I know what it sounds like, and it sounds it sounds just fine. It's on a you know it's on roller coaster. It's on our brand new record that we're finishing up mastering uh, now as we speak, working on the cover art and shit. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's got a desk job now. It's too old sure. to walk the beat. Yeah, no, okay? that's so I got. I got my rookie in there. He's only four years old. Yeah, no, that's 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 actually it's almost good to hear. You don't you don't want to see that you know something happen and, and you know you know I'm sure you had over the years gear it tends to grow feet you know when you're you know on the road. You know, uh, it, it can do it can do and I've been lucky very lucky with that guitar. Uh, I, I had some guy in the airport in Oslo. I was super super tired coming back home. And he came walking in with, you know, it in the gig bag. And he goes, I think you left this outside. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, oh my man. God, I did. Yeah, no, man. it's just like after I cleaned up the pile of poo in my pants. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I thanked him profusely, asked him if he wanted to buy a cup of coffee. He started laughing. Just went, did, you know, he's just like, you know, stupid American. Yeah. Uh, which I did, I, I had to, you know. Make America Stupid Again yeah. add on. Uh, so, you know, it, it it just was a, it was kind of a, a weird little thing that, that didn't get, you know, get, didn't get stolen right then and there. Yeah. Uh, very lucky in the travel department and especially with my level of forgetfulness. Yeah. Uh, so it stays home. It, it, I've taken it out and done a Nashville show with it, or if I'm like doing one song or something like that with somebody, mm -hmm. yeah. But you know, yeah. as for you know, you know, going out and you know, putting the hard hat on, 
Yeah. New guy. Yeah, looking at your tour schedule, I mean, there isn't, uh, you know, you look like you might have a couple days off in October, um, you know, I, <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> come home and do laundry. Yeah, yeah, nah, actually, after we do this U.S. run, we have almost a month, which is, for us, uh, pretty dang good right now. Right. Um, yeah, we're working a bunch for the rest of the year, which is good for us. Um, especially we'll have a new record out in August. So, uh, right now it's called Screamer. Awesome. Which is, it's funny. You'd have to see the cover to know why. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it'll be fun. I mean, it sounds way too much like a Kiss record title, but <laughs> I yeah. don't care. Yeah, with the, the, the more modern Kiss here comes one from Screamer. <laughs> <laughs> got to get the stage rants of his. Um, as oh far God, as in the, my Paul Stanley, my Paul Stanley on. Did you ever hear that? There's a YouTube thing of, or I can't. I don't know if it's YouTube or not, but somebody strung together oh, yeah. all the between song things of Paul Stanley going off. Yeah, oh, only... it is hysterical. It, it you just about can't take it. It is. Horrible! It's wonderful. You know, I think the thing is, you can you can almost, if is a fan, go to that show and you. It's almost like the lyrics of the songs. You know what he's going to say in between the songs. Um, you know. It's, All right, sir. Yeah. He's got a lot of nice looking chicks, <laughs> But um, the the new material, the screamer, um, is any curveballs from, or is this you know what we've come to expect from you? There's, there's there. Okay, look, we always try and put a. a some kind of a slower song on there mm-hmm. that's usually dirty in content mm-hmm. and 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 attitude, but it's you know we we try and make it a full day. There's some fun stuff on there. There's mm-hmm. some serious stuff, some angry stuff, some happy stuff. You know, it's a full day, right? You know, it, it's I I don't like. It's one of the reasons that metal music is hard for me, simply because there's no variation on the theme. Sure. You know, it's all it's all uh, I hate you, mommy. Comics aren't real, right. and you know it, it it it's boring. They don't ever get. They don't have girlfriends. They never get laid. I don't understand. I just don't understand. Yeah. So you've but got. I'm some... not supposed to. I guess. I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I just, I'm not supposed to. You know, yeah, I, I I came from an era where you like girls. You want to sing to them. You know. Right. Uh, you know, and and so it it's subject matter to me is is all pretty human. I try not to, you know, be doing you know like the bar band. I'm going to get you, baby. Right. You know, kind of stuff. Uh, usually they're if they're they're about women, they're usually humorous in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. As someone who's got some years and miles on him would, would see things. Yeah. I try, and kind of, I, I try and try and rip off Neil Young. You know, it's kind of like, if you stop doing that stuff, quit writing about it. Now, you can sing a song from your old back catalog, you know, right. that's fine. But quit writing about it now. You know, I'm Absolutely. not out, you know, on the on the hunt, shall we say. Yeah, and the, you know you've got to be authentic in your lyrics. You're absolutely right. You know you can't. I would hope so. Yeah, you can't sing I a song as a 22 so. year old. You know. No, no, that's stupid. It yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. We will leave Kiss um, Kiss to sing those songs for us. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, and they do formula things. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like you know they're formulated to make music. I mean, make money. Money, Excuse yeah, me. money. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and and they do well at it. They do well at it. That's what they're here for. Yeah, you know, and and to entertain. They're an entertainment vehicle that that costs money. Yeah, that's exactly what Gene Simmons designed, and and by God, it works beautifully. Yeah, mission accomplished. Well, Dan, I don't want to yeah. keep you. Uh, you've got a show tonight in Pittsburgh uh, for those uh, listening. Yeah, theoretically, be <laughs> awesome. And we'll look for the new album, tentatively titled "Screamer," out in August. And if you're in yeah. Sound of my voice. You're going to be touring literally almost all over the globe, uh, and you know we'll look forward to you the next <laughs> we'll time you come back to into the U.S. Yep, yep. Well, um, it'll probably be next year sometime. 
Awesome. Um, yeah, I know that in the winter we're only, I think we're only doing the Outlaw Country Cruise. So, you know, um, I, I think, I don't know. Yeah, they never, they don't put me in charge of that. Look, we work without a set list. I never take it, you know, I don't take suggestions from the audience. Mm-hmm. I'll take them from the band members, but, you know, my, my guy that manages me doesn't tell me what to play, mm-hmm. and I don't tell him where to book us. Right. <laughs> Just tell me where to go I tomorrow. Show up and say yes. Yeah, that's yes, exactly. I'll show up and say yes. Yeah, that sounds what time's good. bus call? I don't even drive. <laughs> you know, what time's van call? I just get in the back and, and do what I'm told. Awesome. Well, Dan, I want to thank you so much. We wish you all the best, and sure, we will John. talk to you down the road, man. All righty. All right, a big thank you to Dan Baird. We'll be looking for some new music from him in 2019. We're going to turn our attention now to a gentleman who's on the show a few years back, Lance Lopez, a great blues guitarist and great singer out of the great state of Texas. He's going to be coming to Moondogs to do a show on the 29th, uh, so we're going to talk to him, get a little information on his great album, Tell the Truth, which came out earlier this year. So we're going to play a little of Tell the Truth now, get into that interview with Lance Lopez. <laughs> pleasure to welcome back to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line blues man Lance Lopez. How are you doing, Lance? Hey, I'm great, John. Thanks for having me. Always my pleasure to have you on the show. Um, you are actually coming into our fine city of Pittsburgh to do a show at Moondogs on the 29th of July and uh, riding a wave of a fantastic new record with uh, Tell the Truth. Um, so let, let me start there. Um, you know, you, you Put together, uh, you know, I think a really nice collection of nitty gritty blues and southern rock, and but with a real eye towards songwriting. Do you want to talk about this collection of songs as a whole and where they came from and how you know how old are some of the oldest ones, etc.? Absolutely. Um, well, thank you for the compliment for the sure. album, John. I really appreciate it. We worked very hard on the record, um, and. Uh, it, it kind of came off the heels of, of the two albums I'd done with Jim Gaines, uh, with MIG, String Commander, and uh, we kind of fulfilled those two albums, and so I was looking for a new producer, and uh, a lot of people connected me to Fabrizio Grassi, and so I, mm-hmm. I began uh, exchanging ideas with him out in Los Angeles, and um, we... Uh, we began exchanging songs and ideas via email, and I went to L.A., and, and we recorded the title track, Tell the Truth, and then we recorded Mr. Lucky, which is a John Lee Hooker cover, and I believe Down to One Bar, that was written um, by a good friend of mine named Joey Sykes, who's the lead guitar player in The Babies. Okay. And he uh, and he had written this song kind of and as a third person a third party kind of on uh, looking at the you know kind of the crazy lifestyle and partying and all that that mm-hmm. had kind of gone on throughout the years so it, it was really kind of cool to, to be introduced to a song uh that was written about me or or for me not just a generic song that had been written and it was like right. you know five people have recorded it so why don't you try to record it it was you know tailor-made for me and and that's what a lot of these songs were. Whenever we did bring in the different songwriters, it wasn't mm-hmm. just a generic song that you know was shopped to twelve different artists. It was sure. uh, kind of handcrafted for us. So that's what was really cool about it. Um, and yeah, we wanted to we wanted it to be a very musical album. You know, we wanted it to be uh, you know um, 
classified in that classic album, mm-hmm. you know, world. And what that what that means to me is that you know, it's 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 a it's musical. It's it's not overplaying. It's not too uh, over the top. It's, it's musical, sure. although there is lots of guitar playing. It just doesn't dominate. And and I, I feel like on some of my earlier work. That's kind of where we went, and and uh, you know it was it was a lot of jamming and a lot of uh, you know the guitar kind of really dominated, and and here we wanted the, the guitar to uh, embellish, and, right. and when a guitar when a guitar car, guitar solo did happen, it was a special event, and 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 you know and made you want more. Yeah. Um, so that therefore we you know we played for the song, and we you know we we put these songs together. Uh, to be musical and and then we also kept in mind the fact that we had to play these songs live yeah and so we you know we didn't want to get too out there with with production and and different uh instrumentation or things that were too out of the out of the norm so that we could recreate it on the stage so those were all those were things that all kind of went into play sure. when we were putting these uh these songs together yeah and i have to no fault of yours i mean if you think you overplayed if i could play as well as you I, I i wouldn't stop playing there would be no vocals i would just you know, <laughs> I would just noodle for 45 minutes and call it a record but i mean that is yeah where i was going there's some songs in there along the way where you almost kind of you know you, you think when you when you're listening to a blues guitarist album you're going to get you know riffs and riffs and, and soloing but it, at some point it almost to me kind of transcended into you know something like a skinner album where it's really about the song, and yeah, there was a solo in it, but that isn't necessarily right. what you walked away remembering. Now, um, you know, and that's that's not an easy thing to do. Um, I have to ask the the riff for to t- tell the truth. Um, was that something you came up with? Because that's a nasty riff at the beginning of that song. Yeah, it, it yeah that that was a um, it, it was just and that that just comes out of Lightning Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, Little Son Jackson. You know that Delta Blues thing just through a you know with a Les Paul and a Marshall amp mm-hmm. so that's it's something that's been been being done since, since the late 60s when Clapton and and Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page kind of took the Delta records and kind of over hot rotted them and, and over amped them it's the same thing here I mean that tell the truth riff is basically a Delta blues mm-hmm. riff just much more heavy and then we go into the verses with the power chords so yeah, it just yeah. it even updates it even more to bring it to more of a rock edge but really the root of that riff is in Delta Blues. Yeah, I, I when I listened to that, I, when I first the first time I went through the album, I was doing something and I listened to the first ten songs, and I just didn't get to the last song. And, and then I came back the next day and put that song on. I was like, "Whoa!" You say the like the to me the coolest guitar riff to the end of the record. I was like, "This is really kind of neat." Um, now, as a song, you know, as a musician, is it? difficult to accept using outside writers or is that something you enjoy or is it you know i i would imagine some musicians kind of get their ego get in the way and, and may put out you know a, a subpar record because they don't want to use outside songs is that something you kind of made up along you know along the way i'm going to just do the best 11 songs re- regardless of who wrote them well you know for a long time like especially my early records I did everything, and even mm. on one of the records, I played all the instruments. Mm-hmm. So, I, I was at a point in my career where I needed help. You know, I, sure. I was I, I I I kind of was bearing the brunt of all the writing, all the production, mm-hmm. and like I said on one album, all the instrumentation. So, um, you know, about ten years or so ago, uh, you know, I began working with, uh, I, you know, I, I kind of made a, a point that I'm not. I don't want to self-produce myself anymore it right. was just it was so arduous the writing the production the engineering i love producing other artists but producing myself and writing and all that it was a lot and especially when we're working on albums that don't have huge budgets you know mm-hmm. we're not working sure. on, a, on a giant budget so it, it's really strenuous to be under the gun in a studio and trying to you know uh multitask and all you know be a lead guitar player a producer a songwriter you know the mm-hmm. whole the whole thing so uh, you know I, having those experiences uh, I said you know I, I, I feel that a, a good producer can pull the best out of artists and you know being a session musician also when I worked with other producers I felt that I played uh, at times and it really depending on the producer sometimes better sometimes 
mm-hmm. not not better. So you know, it, it really depends on the collaboration with the producer, uh, and then also the same with songwriting. I feel that people when they collaborate on a song, um, you know, you, you you have you have different perspectives, and, and I need that objectivity. You know, I right. need that objectivity with the songwriter and with the producer to say yes, that's good enough, or no, that's not good enough, or you know the same thing with the guitar soloing. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like without a producer, I'll I'll stay in there for two days on one guitar right. solo. I need somebody to either tell me it's good enough, or it'll be the other way around. If I'm producing myself, I will just settle for you know, hey, that's good. Right. We'll just go with that, and when yeah. I can play better, so it, it 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 runs the gamut. So I think yeah, I think that, and I think you said it. I think you know the ego has to be out of the way. Mm-hmm. You have to have the humility to know that. Um, you know that you're working with someone else who's equally as talented, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a great producer uh, will pull the best out of you. A, 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 a great songwriter will pull your best work out of you. Right. Yeah, and there's something to be said for. I mean, you know, there are phenomenal guitarists, there are phenomenal singers, uh, there are phenomenal songwriters, but they're not the same discipline necessarily. You know, you might be, you know extremely strong in one but you know you, you know sometimes people need help I mean there are great songwriters out there who can do power chords on a guitar and that's about it but they can write great songs and then you know you get musicians who can and turn them into something really special um, you know that's it's always interesting when you when you when you're presented these songs do you get you know just kind of a rough demo or a, what are you usually presented with when you when you're shopping um, the song you know with songwriting you know <clears throat> it um it comes in different forms. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll have a I'll have a guitar riff for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'll have a uh, a lyric for a long time. I, it just it depends on. There's no for, simple formula. Now, mm-hmm. uh, working with other writers, yes, I'll get demos. I'll get a demo or, or a rough idea right. from some of my songwriting partners, um, like Gordy Johnson or Joey Sykes. I'll get an idea, and then it's what do we do where do we go from here and this is kind of the outline what would you what do you what else would you want to do right and so that's kind of and that's kind of how we do it you know we we uh you know we establish kind of some patterns and some chord changes and and different things and then we kind of move it around from there um make it your own but 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 yeah and make it our own thing that's exactly right um you know and that was that was part of uh you know that was one of the part of tell the truth having all the different textures is because it, it came from the influence of, you know, of, uh, you know, of, of where I'm from and, and the environment and, and the whole thing with it, uh, you know, it, it not just being, you know, a straight ahead blues album mm-hmm. or a straight ahead rock album, you know, it, it had the, it had the Americana Southern Texas right. Louisiana flair, you know, right. and, and it, it, where it came out naturally. So it wasn't that, we're trying to design a record to sound like this. It just—it was what was natural. We, we yeah. wanted to write and create what was going to come out and be, you know, a product of the of the environment. Oh, well done. Um, now you're coming in on the 29th, as I mentioned. Are you you're a four piece band live? We are two guitars, okay. bass, and drums. Awesome. Now, are you, you? Is the bulk of your set going to be the Tell the Truth album, or do you kind of sprinkle it along? The previous releases. Well, we have, we have, yeah. Bulk of it is the Tell the Truth record. However, we are adding, uh, we have some great covers from some of our um, legendary, uh, you know, Texas heroes where we carry on the tradition. We okay. do some, uh, we do some, uh, uh, we do some ZZ Top. We do some um, Johnny Winter. We do, um, uh, you know, some Freddie King. Um, we do some, um, you know, we do we do a lot of other things, a lot of other um, um, things from artists that uh, you know that represent Texas. So uh, aside from the early material as well, I mean, right. we have a lot of, uh, you know, I do a lot of a lot of the material from the early albums. So there's it's kind of a mixture, but we really we pay homage to. Uh, you know, to all the all the, the people that went before us, you know, that right. uh, really made an impact from the state of Texas. Awesome. Well, Lance, I don't want to keep you. I want to thank you so much. Again, you're coming in a week from Sunday, so it's the 29th of July. You're going to be doing a show at Moondogs. 
um, great blues venue here in Pittsburgh, and we really look forward to seeing you when you get into town, man. Well, John, I can't wait. Thank you again so much for having me on the show. My pleasure, man. All right, again, Lance Lopez will be at Moon Dogs on the 29th doing a show, and his new album, Tell the Truth, is out now. Um, phenomenal guitarist, as we talk about in the interview. Uh, a great player, obviously, and in some of his previous albums, you really get a can uh, get a sense for his playing. Uh, but I think this album really shines in the songwriting and the vocals, I think, are really exciting to listen to. So it'll be great to see Lance coming into our fine city of Pittsburgh. Uh, and speaking of bands coming to Pittsburgh, we're joined now by Tim Rossi of the band Blackfoot. Blackfoot, many of you remember a great band, uh, had the huge album Strikes, were fronted by Ricky Medlock, who went on to uh, rejoin Leonard Skinner. I don't know if many of you realize he was a member, he was originally a drummer for Leonard Skinner, and then uh, has joined them and has been with him for many, many years as a guitarist. Uh, had fronted, played guitar, and, and sang for Blackfoot. Uh, he decided to put the project back together uh, back in, I think it was 2012. Uh, and recruited Tim uh, Rossi to be the lead guitarist for that band. Uh, and they have been making uh, music since. Uh, so we're going to play you a little bit of the, the, the new lineup. Now, Ricky does play some shows with the band, but he will not be playing Monongahela. Uh, more of a producer and advisor role at this point. Uh, we kind of get into that in the interview. You know, maybe this is something that Ricky goes back to after uh, Leonard Skinner finally you know, kind of winds down that final tour is this, you know, will we see uh, some new material with Ricky and Blackfoot at some point? That would be very exciting to see. But in the meantime, they're carrying the torch, playing the great kind of southern hard rock, melodic hard rock, a little bit uh, leaning a little more towards the metal side than, than like a Skinner or Allman Brothers as we talk about Blackfoot. If you're a fan of, you know, kind of the the hard rock stuff it's a great band to go back and listen to you know get on your spotify get on youtube and, and see what ricky did before he was in leonard skinner so we're gonna get into that interview now we're gonna play a little bit of the reformed blackfoot get into that interview with tim Rossi. Tim Rossi on the line. How you doing, Tim? Good. How you doing, man? Good to be here. Great. I'm doing very well. I hope you're doing well. Uh, you're rolling into Monongahela, which is just outside of Pittsburgh, on Saturday the 28th to do a show at the Aquatorium. I believe this is, if I'm not mistaken, the second show you guys have done there um, over the years uh, down by the river. So I wanted to get people you know, familiar with what's going on with the band. Um, you guys had an album in 2016. It was kind of the... The, the first step in the reformation of Blackfoot. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you became involved and in, you know, how Ricky has kind of guided the band? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, back in 2012, uh, initially was when Ricky had had this idea of sort of reforming the band with him in the role as the producer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I'd sort of been working with Ricky just, he'd sort of been mentoring me actually. Um, uh, we were in the same area, uh, Southwest Florida area. And, um, so I was sort of, uh, he was kind of mentoring me, writing songs and and playing and stuff. Um, and that's sort of when he, they had this idea to do the new Blackfoot and he asked me, if I was interested in it and then of course I was like yeah absolutely I thought it was a I understood the concept of what Mm -hmm. he was thinking and uh, 
Um, so, yeah, I've been involved since then. And as you said, we uh, did the Southern Native CD, and um, it's, you know, we've been pretty busy ever since then. <laughs> yeah, that certainly has. Now, was it intimidating for you as, as a guitarist? I mean, I think people, you know, have known Ricky's playing for years. I know I was a big fan of the Strikes album and, and Tomcat and all that stuff. To kind of step into that role and... and play his material with him kind of looking over your shoulder i mean maybe not literally but any intimidation there yeah yeah absolutely and you know and him looking over my shoulder that's yeah that's actually happened many times where he's standing you know he's standing right behind me or right in front of me like like two inches from my face and he's looking down at my hands you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah that you know that actually was um you know, we could go out and play for, you know, 15,000 people, and I love it. I don't flinch, but, right. you know, we could be standing in the rehearsal room, and Ricky's in there, just the band and maybe Ricky and, you know, uh, you know, a couple extra people hanging around, and those could be the most nerve-wracking, uh, you know, right. playing yeah. situations that you can be in because, uh, I mean, he's intimidating because he's, he's so... He's, such a monster musician in, yeah. in every way but at the same time a part of it is that you know you just you want his you know his approval and you want him to go yeah that was good that was good you know so yeah. um there's a bit of that although i will say you know it's it's we've been doing it a while so i'm i'm uh much more relaxed uh when he's when he's around when we're mm-hmm. playing um than in the very beginning um and now when we do shows with Skinner a lot of times you know he gets there a little early and he's so he's off to the side watching us and that's always that's kind of like the two you know you put the two together it's like you're out there for the audience and but then you see ricky standing off to the side so you want to make him you want to make him proud you know yeah it's it's kind of a unique situation where you're you're you know in the role you know there's many 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 bands in the world you know we Kiss and etc. Where somebody left the band and somebody came in and replaced him, but they have nothing to do with the band anymore. As opposed to you know, you see him on stage with you guys once in a while. He's in the studio with you. He's you know, he said that's I think got to be more intimidating. If he was gone and and you know ticked off at everybody in the band and spoke to nobody, it might be easier um, than standing right with the guy. Um, it is. Do you? With Skinner doing the the last of the Street Survivor tour, are you guys doing any of the dates on that tour? We are. We're doing sort of it's like select dates um, that we've been doing here and there. We just tell everyone, hey, if if Skinner's coming to town, take a look at the bill, and and hopefully we're on there. I I believe the next one is like is in like Ontario, up in Canada. Um, Unfortunately, yeah, and that's always a blast. You know. Yeah, I mean those. Do Those you, shows are always, you know, interesting. <laughs> do you do you see as his time with Skinner kind of comes to an end, uh, which is is almost unfathomable? Do you see him maybe taking a more active role in the band, or is that still kind of just kind of an unspoken thing? We'll see how it goes. Well, you know, because of course we get asked that a bit now, mm, knowing that sure. the you know that the, that this tour is happening, mm. and although they project that the tour is going to Span over the next three years. Um, oh yeah, in which case it's kind of hard to predict. You know, it's so it's it's you know, but but as well, you know, like three years can fly by like that. All of a sudden, you know. Yeah. Um, but so far, really, he's only expressed that um, when things wrap up for him, he's got you know he's got thoughts of other things mm-hmm. he you know would like to do as well, and sure. and still he's just expressed that he, you know his main. Uh, Function in Blackfoot is to be producing right. the band, and uh, so unless he unless something comes up at this point, he hasn't you know he hasn't said oh you know I'm I'm going to jump back in, and kick and you take out, over. And take you <laughs> Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think they you were know? very smart how, how Skinner worded that. I know with the announcement in Pittsburgh, which they're doing that show with Hank Williams Jr. It said last date at this venue it, it did not say last Pittsburgh date did not say last date it just said last date at this venue okay well at least you know I give him credit for that because I hope it's not the last time you know I, I think anybody who's seen yeah. Skinner um, 
you know, unfortunately, you know, as people's health decline and things, you know, it's it's less and less original members, and I know that that sticks in the craw of certain people, but you know, it's still a really really solid band. You know, whether it's you know the Streets Survivor lineup or it's the lineup we have in 2018, they're still a fantastic band, and that's you know I think the important thing. Now, you guys from from yeah. what I hear have some new material at least kind of in the works now for next year. Is that the case, or where are you with a follow-up to Southern Native? Yes, that is the case. We've got, uh, uh, we've been writing and doing Mm pre-production and even started doing basic tracks on uh, quite a few songs. Um, So, yeah, that, that is true. We've been really busy with that. If we're not out, and we're home. We're mm-hmm. we're working up all this new stuff, and um, hopefully, uh, the label the label was sort of shooting for like a February release. So okay. it would, we probably have a little ways to go till we actually get it out. We, of course, we're anxious. We, we're having fun with this material. We want to get it out the sooner the better for us. Um, but uh, but I, I believe you know if we kind of have things wrapped up around. September with everything, and then all the other, you know, all the album artwork and all that stuff comes into play. Sure. And then, but uh, but yeah, we um, we're really excited. We got a whole bunch of new uh, great songs. Like uh, we just and it's another step forward. You know, Ricky is you know um, sort of encouraging us to just you know be forward thinking in you know in the writing department. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's never really been like that anyways. He's never been like, hey, it's got to be like this or it's got to be like that or you have to, you know, he wants the band to evolve um, right. in, in the songwriting as well as, you know, all the other aspects. So, um, so that's, you know, what's happening. But there's, you know... Do you... When, when Southern Native was sort of another step forward, you know, that was a mm-hmm. bit of a step forward. It was like one foot in the old school and it came forward a little bit and, and then this is like another another few steps forward so but it's you know essentially it's it's still you know hard rock you know it's still that Blackfoot tradition mm-hmm. and um, so I think and it's got a lot of soul it's got a lot of you know there's a lot of uh, that rootsy you know vibe to to the stuff so I think that's you know if you kind of have that basis in there Hmm. then people feel it and and that's really what it's all about I think you know the sure. Blackfoot stuff there was a lot of variation and a lot of variety you know and all the different Blackfoot stuff you know and um, and I think it's kind of the same with this and so as long as people are feeling it and uh, you know I think that's I think that's what matters and, and that we're moving forward so and Ricky's really happy with hmm. um, how everything's been coming out so it's been a really great process so far when you write, do you um, do you have to kind of put on? I mean, being that you know, you do want to try to, as you mentioned, some of the elements that made Blackfoot's music what it was. Um, do you have to kind of consider when you're writing? Does this sound like something that would be in the Blackfoot catalog? You know, because you're kind of in a unique situation where you're writing for a band. You know, where you want to stay consistent with you know, product they've delivered over the last, you know, probably over your entire lifetime, um, would be my guess. You know, this band yeah. has been making singles since the mid seventies. Um, do you have to kind of, you know, tailor your writing when you do that? Or is it, you just, or is that really your, your wheelhouse when it comes to writing is the sound that they have? I think more so with Southern native, it was a little bit more of a, of a, you know, a mindset. Mm-hmm. When we did Southern Native, it was, you know, that was more the the thought of like, okay, is this, you know, and and it wasn't like, it was, I don't know, I guess it was like, you know, you might have a whole bunch of ideas and stuff, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of look through the ideas and go, yeah, that's Blackfoot right, right. there, you know, that fits, that fits right in, and uh, so nothing is like just you know manufactured in some sort of you know phony way but it's like you're just kind of picking from 
ideas and stuff right. that you have and go, oh, okay, that fits the bill. That's that's right. Blackfoot all the way. And um, and that so that's more more so it was like that with Southern Native and and of course. You know, we co-wrote a bunch of the songs with Ricky, so Ricky just getting yeah. his, you know, his thought process and ideas in on songs like that gave it, you know, that extra touch of, you know, Blackfoot. Mm-hmm. And um, and that, now with this, with the new one, it's a little more, it's him saying, don't worry about, you know, thinking whether it fits, you know, right. in the Blackfoot catalog. Just write stuff, if, and it's if it's cool songs... Then you know, and the ideas are cool. Let's just work them up, and um, right. and as well, he's you know co-writing. He's jumping in on some of the writing with the songs and stuff, so that that gets his flavor in there as well. Right. And um, so that's how it's sort of been. It, it you know, yeah. Now yeah. it's it's we've been doing it for a while now too. So like once you're you know you're right. playing all the classics and and you know you just live in it, and so. I think it be- becomes a part of you as well, you sure. know. So yeah. when the writing, it's reflected in the writing, I guess, you know. So yeah, and, and when you listen to Blackfoot, one of the things I always found appealing to the music was is it it was kind of one foot in in the classic Southern rock, Almond Brothers and Skinnerd and and Fog Hat and things, but there's almost another foot in, in what became the melodic hard rock of the '80s in some of the stuff, you know. And I, I think that you know probably makes it a little easier to you know because you've got a little bit wider palette you're not just doing you know seven minute you know mountain jam type songs like the Almond Brothers you have a little bit of you know a little bit of leeway when it comes to, to maybe some more up-tempo rocking songs and etc um, yeah so yeah they, absolutely I, I agree there's you know there was such a variety of stuff like you said it wasn't something you know even you know we'll meet old school fans that'll say like you know like Blackfoot was the original like southern metal and stuff mm, like that yeah. you, know, you, you hear different you know different um, opinions on you know what the band was to certain people and and then that was sort of reflected I think as well too and like you know the band back you know in the day they, they toured with of course they toured with you know all the classic you know Molly Hatchet and all these mm. guys and but the, then they'd be torn with, you know, Iron Maiden and, yeah. and you know, ACDC and, you know, all these, you know, some pretty heavy bands. And so you're going, all right, Blackfoot's going out with, you know, Iron Maiden every night and, like, holding the candle to Iron Maiden and, you know, just leaning into the heavy stuff. And, yeah. Um, so you, you sort of see that they were, yeah, they had a lot of, they had a lot of different uh, colors, you know, on the palette going for them. And, and that's, we kind of try to, you know, sort of uh, exploit that angle as well right. too. That you can kind of lean a lot of different ways. You know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It just yeah. gives you a lot to, lot to 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 uh, you know mess with, which is cool. Right now, in your current live set, I mean, how much room do you have for the the southern native and newer material? Do you get a fair number of those songs in, or are people going to hear, you know, kind of all the classics of the you know the the earlier part of the catalog or where what would should people expect? Uh, for the most part, we you know uh, in a good solid ninety minute, um, you know everyone's going to hear the classic uh, Blackfoot songs, you know mm-hmm. that they love, um, and then some of the deep, the old school deep cut, you know right. um, classics as well, you know. Um, of course, you know the, you know. Wishing Well and right. um, you know Train Train Highway song and all, all the all the stuff that the general audience is, is fully aware of and right. um, so we're playing you know we play for the most part we we are playing you know those classics from the classic albums and we will usually play maybe you know usually at least we'll play maybe two songs from Southern Native just to mm-hmm. kind of pepper a couple of the new songs in there. Right. Um, they're fun to play, and the the uh, the crowd really enjoys them and stuff. Mm. So they go over well. So uh, we we generally always have those in there. Sure. And uh, and then occasionally we you know we uh, will just throw songs in new new stuff or stuff that we have that we're working up 
for the new album and stuff just to test it on the audience yeah. and to see what, what the reaction is. is and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so. n- it's no easy task. I mean, even if this band, you know, as today was was Ricky, Charlie, Greg, etc., you know, it still was hard for a band to stick in new material. So, you know, it's curious how that that worked. But that's going to be a fantastic night of music. Uh, Tim, I want to thank you so much again. You're coming in on the 28th to do a show at the uh, Monongahela Aquatorium. Uh, tickets still available for that. Should be a great night. So we want to thank you, man. Thank you so much for having me, and I can't wait to see everybody there. All right, again, a big thank you to Tim Rossi. Uh, He will be in town with Blackfoot on the 28th to do a show at the Monongahela Aquatorium. Uh, For those not familiar, if you take Route 88 south out of the city of Pittsburgh, uh, you can get down towards uh, Monongahela. Uh, Use your Google Maps. You'll find it's a relatively simple place to find. You can go on monaquatorium.com, or you can go on Blackfoot's, the band's website, or you can find links from our website as well to find information on the show. Really inexpensive, ten bucks to get you in the door. Uh, should be a great night. And the, the stage is literally right on the river, uh, little hillside uh, pavilion set up there. A real nice place to see a show. Then the following night, Moon Dogs and Blonox. They got Lance Lopez, uh, so check that out as well. And we obviously look forward to Dan Baird's return to the city of Pittsburgh at any time. Uh, fantastic line, uh, music he's got. So. I want to thank you all for listening. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or all forward slash ironcityrocks. You can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com, or you can use the contact link on ironcityrocks.com. And until next time, we want to thank you so much for listening.